Welcome to Passion Life Church. Hi, good morning, Passion Life Church, and welcome. I hope you had a fantastic week. I'm so excited to be with you today. What an honor, what a privilege it is. And I mean that with all my heart. I know you guys have been distant a little bit so uh, physically here for the last couple months uh, because of the COVID and all the restrictions. And thank God we're about to come together again. I was listening to last week's message and I was so blessed by Pastor Phil and just him sharing that idea that we're about to soon come together and move forward uh, together as a community and an atmosphere of people that are ready to do life at another level. I'm so honored to be here today from the standpoint of... I really appreciate Pastor Phil and Val. You know, the Bible says when you walk with wise people, you become wise. And you know, when you hang out with wise people, they sharpen you, they deepen you, they make you more sensitive. And I love when I'm in their presence. They make me want to know Jesus more. They make me want to be a better person, a better husband, a better friend, a better family member. And for that, I'm really grateful. You know, I I think it was Nipsey Hussle, the the late rapper, that says, if you look around the people that are in your life and you don't get inspired, you don't, you got a cage, you don't got a click, you got a cage. And, you know, I'm glad today that I have a great community of people in my life and Pastor Phil and Val play an intricate part in that. And this morning is going to be a fantastic morning. I want you to get ready. I want you to ready to get your mind uh, in tune, your heart in tune for what God would want to say to you and take your life to the next level. Let's pray for a minute. Lord, I thank you for this next couple of minutes here that we're together. I pray that your super would touch our hearts, our minds, your supernatural presence. I pray would minister to us in a powerful way and that people today would be healed. People today would have hope. People today would get insight and wisdom and understanding. Your word says that we get destroyed when we lack knowledge. So I pray today, God, give us revelation knowledge that would stop deception, move us forward and free us to be everything you want us to be. In Jesus' powerful name, and you want to say amen, amen, amen. Well, the pastor started this series called Stronger. You know, I, I love it. I was, I was really dialing in. I was so blessed by the message last week, Stronger. And we talked about in your spirit. And he talked about how Daniel had an excellent spirit and how he was strong in his inner man. But today we're going to take it today to a little bit of something that I'm really excited about. And that has become stronger in your mind. I believe God is out to change our minds because he has something for us to prove on this planet. Think about it. Your life today, my life today, is a result of your thinking yesterday. But our life tomorrow will be the result of what we think today. Thoughts have creative power. They they empower us or they disempower us. And our thoughts create so much of our feelings and so much of our actions. I know Romans 8, chapter chapter 8, verses 5 says, If we set our mind on the things of the flesh, we'll walk in the flesh. But if we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, we'll walk in the Spirit. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 23, 7. In fact, maybe you want to go there in your Bible. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he and so does he become. In other words, the thoughts affect who I am, what I become, and what I achieve. I found there's different levels of thinking. You know, unsuccessful people, or if they're living unsuccessful in their life, they think on survival. If I can just make it, if I can just, if I can just make it, if I can just make it. 
People that live average are focusing on maintenance or trying just to hold on to what they have and they're playing not to lose. But successful people like you and me, they think differently. That's the only thing that separates people. I believe wealth on this planet has nothing to do with circumstances. It has everything to do with the way that people decide or choose to think. The good news is no matter if you've been a good thinker up to now, or maybe thinking's been a bit of a challenge to you, and you've, you've had a, a maybe a really weak mind, maybe you've had a worried mind, maybe you've had an apathetic passive mind where you just let thoughts of the enemy just target and get inside you and really unravel your day. I believe today that you can take charge of your thinking, and you can even overcome bad mental habits with good and reprogram your mind so that you can live the powerful life that Jesus designed you to live. When he made you a new creation. His idea was his relationship with you would be so organic that it would result in fruitfulness and dominion and power where things did not run you, but you have control and charge over things in your life. You were never meant to be a slave and people are only slaves because their minds are held in chains. You know, it was Ralph, I think Ralph Elmerson, he said this, man's life consists about, consists of what he thinks about all day long. I think that's really, really true. What's on your mind determines your attitude. Your thinking affects your blood pressure. It affects the way that you feel, how you respond and bounce back from adversity. It affects your heart rate. In fact, the scripture says your mind and your mindset determines whether your body is healthy or whether it's weak. You know, people bounce back so much faster when they have a better mindset, a positive mindset. God's highly positive, even the way he thinks about your life, because God thinks about you all the time. We need to take charge of this mental capacity of our life, because think about it. They say, psychiatrists, they say that we think anywhere between 30 to 45,000 thoughts a day. And if we decide not to, if we don't decide to take charge of our mind and what goes on in there, then we're going to end up being the victims of circumstances rather than the victors. I want you to win on the inside, and I know so does God. You know, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart. I want to ask you today, is your mind working for you or is it working against you? Is your mind working for you or against you? How would you know by the consistent experiences of your feelings? Uh, when you come into a place, do you see the positive or you just see the negative? I've learned this with walking with God, that you can't uh, walk with God and be constantly negative. It doesn't work because two can only walk together where they're agreed. And the word agreed means to think and say the same thing. I know God wants you to become an imitator of him and walk together with him. But to do that, we got to become like-minded with him. We need to be able to change our thinking. In fact, all of our breakthroughs, all of our change does not start in our circumstances, but it begins with a change of thought. I'm hoping today and believing today that there's an area where you're going to say, you know what, I want to change this area of the way I think it, my perspective, because your perspective, your mindset's either your prison or it's your passport. And I believe God's word is powerful enough to cleanse our minds from negative thinking, break strongholds, patterns of thinking that hold us in defeat, and renew our minds so we see things from a God's eye view, which is 
empowering, which is strong, which enables you to access your potential. I want you to realize today, your thinking is the lid on your potential the capacity, the stuff, the goods, the promise, your ability, how far you can go that you haven't gone, what you can do that you haven't done, what you can accomplish that you've yet to achieve, what you can experience that you've yet to experience. The limit of that potential, that lid is based on the way you think. If you take an elephant, a circus elephant, when they're young, they tie a really firm rope around their 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 little uh, their big hoof, I guess is their big leg. And what happens is that early in the early infancy stage of that elephant, they find that that rope is stronger than their physical body because it's undeveloped. And so they learn that and they move their body, they can only go as far as the rope. Now, as they get older, they get bigger and they grow. Now they can take off, the trainers can take off that rope and they'll find that the elephant will walk in circles and stay within that confined space. Not that he doesn't have the ability, but he's become conditioned in his mind that this is as far as I can go. I don't know in your mind where you thought this is far as I can go. Maybe it's in your business. You feel like I've done the best that I can do. I've gone as far as my education can take me. Can I tell you? something, God could breathe favor on you and he could take you where man can't. Maybe that's why the Bible says to set your mind on the favor that's about to be released toward you. First Peter 1.13. That would do you a world of good right there. Setting your mind on the favor of God because Psalm 8 says you've been crowned with favor, not crowned with fear, not crowned with failure. You've been crowned with favor. If you were to get that mentality and that mindset inside you, I bet if you started to esteem and value yourself right there, you would stop violating so much of the good things that God's put inside you. Because what you don't value, you violate. What you misdiagnose, you mistreat. And I want you to get understand today, things can change in your favor. If you had a if you had a mindset that's worked against your health and just said, well, my mindset says I'm big bone. I just can't lose the weight. Well, we've always struggled with genetic conditions. We've always had heart disease. We've always had, we've always had. Well, let me just tell you something. Nothing's going to change until you change your mind. God does not meet you in your circumstance. He meets you when you decide to come into agreement with your mind and your heart with him and begin to believe and begin to think. That's why the apostle Paul says in Philippians 4.8, I want to encourage you to choose to think on things that are true, lovely and pure and of a good report. See, your mind can work for you or against you. I know so many people, they think their body, their physical health is like Amazon Prime. They think it's going to show up in 48 hours. How do we know that's not going to happen? Come on, how many know that's just not that's not going to work? How many know taking a negative re- mindset into a relationship that you think that somebody else is responsible for your happiness, responsible for your quality of life? How many know that's self-sabotaging in that mindset because no one can ever make you happy? You got to decide to be happy, but going in there with it, you'll always be grading that person's performance and how well they're doing, and your relationship will never reveal the greatness of you because you're at best when you're a lover and you're giving, but your mentality, your mindset can really put a hinder on how much love, how much joy, how much intimacy, how much passion that you can have. Your capability is constant, but how much of it you use is dependent upon the way you think. So I want you to ask you this morning, I want to, I want to think about this. In what ways is your mind working against you?
I ask you that question. Is it working against me physically, relationally, emotionally? Do I think so many condemning thoughts towards myself where I start to really let my mind work against me and let it go wild where I start believing that I'm condemned, that God doesn't love me, that God is not for me because I, I've failed at areas of my life? Is it is it working against me into my financial side where I just believe it's as far as I can go? When the Bible says God wants to take you from glory to glory, strength to strength, and he wants your life to become richer and brighter. So if we're going to really do this today and take charge of our mental ability, come on, you have the ability. Proverbs 23, 19 says, guide your mind in the way. We have a responsibility that I'm just not going to let whatever falls into my mind stay in my mind because you have an enemy and the only way he can defeat you is defeat you through thoughts and images that don't line up with God's word that you are passive toward. And you allow to take root inside you. His goal is to build a stronghold in you, to keep you from becoming powerful. He can't do anything about your eternity if Jesus lives inside you, but he can stop the abundant life you were meant to live. He can stop the influence and the power and the freedom and the joy and the blessings that cannot just come to you, but to your family, your children, your coworkers, the people you influence. If he can get you into wrong thinking, come on, if he can get you into thinking that you can only go as far as you can do things naturally. And all you look at is the things in the natural. I remember Jesus said to Peter, you're mindful of the things of man, but you're not mindful of the things of God. We need a shift in our mentality because the scripture says you can become warped in your mind, cheated by the philosophies, the ideas of culture that we miss God's best. The Bible says we need to renew our mind so we can think like Jesus. You have a calling on your life and that's to become more like Jesus. I got to find out how he thought. How did he think about himself? How did he think about what he had? How did he think about where he was? How did he think about while how long he would live and what was going to go? How did he think about his enemies? How did he think about money? How did he think about people's health? I want to tap into the mind of Jesus because the scripture says in Philippians 2, 5, it's something I pray all the time. It says, let this mind be in you that was also in Jesus. Jesus's mind, he was in a good mood even when there was chaos around him. He was declaring favor even in the middle of political upheaval and in famine around him. He was in a good mood when they didn't catch enough fish because he was always on the inside in a right frame of mind. I want that kind of mindset because I want to win on the inside so I can win on the outside. I want to win on the inside. I know like you that you can win on the outside. Years ago that America had won this uh, America's Cup. It's a, you know, the boating race that they've done for many, many years, even back in the 1800s. America had won for 132 years straight. That's a long time. And no one had beat them. Everybody else was on a losing streak. But Australian coach got the idea that the only way that we can beat them is not becoming more skilled, more powerful, or getting stronger people. We got to learn how to win in our mentality. And so he did something. He created a two-minute uh, fully functional listening ability to listen to uh, the waves crashing, them in the boat, and he had them all cheer as if one time when they were together to practice, as if they already won the whole cup. 
Now he gave each of them this cassette and they had to listen to it two times a day for three years. It was a commitment from every person that was aboard that ship. Here's the powerful dynamic that was at work. That was played where they got inside of their mentality and their mindset that they could win and that they were winning. They saw it. They felt it. They meditated on it. Come on. They meditate. I know in our world, the word meditation has a funky thing, but the Bible says over and over to meditate on the things above. It says, as you meditate in the word that you'll prosper, you'll succeed, you'll become sturdy, you'll become strong, that your life doesn't fade out, but it becomes rich and fruitful. That's why David said, let my meditation be sweet unto you. Let the things I think about, the things that I ponder, come on, the questions that I ask myself, let them be powerful. Well, these cup, these people, they got this in their system that they were winners. They were the ones that overrode the 132 years perpetual losing streak and they defeated the USA and it became such a massive, a massive national symbol there in Australia, but they did it because they changed the way that they thought. I want you to first think about, if I was to say, how do you think about who you are? You know, the Bible says, don't forget what kind of person you are. You're not normal anymore. You're not usual. Most people define themselves by their jobs, their careers, the role they play. But at the core of you, the Bible says, don't forget what manner of person you are. That means that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, and it's so powerful. I want to read it to you this morning because I think it would really, really benefit you uh, in getting this inside you and really help you stabilize you, and the stability will release ability. Listen to this for a minute. It says these very words, that by one man's sacrifice, after he offered himself for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And and verse 14, by one offering, he has perfected you forever. Did you catch that? He's perfected you forever. Most people have bit into the lie that something's wrong with them. The enemies work so hard for you to get into a mindset, something's wrong with you. You're not enough. You're not as cute as that person. You don't have that person's life where you become absent from your own life because you wish you had somebody else's or he's made you convinced that you're not worth loving. You're not worth saving, that God doesn't love you, that God won't forgive you. Right here, I want you to By one offering, Jesus came to this world and he perfected you forever that through his sinless life, his sinless sacrifice on your behalf, that you belong to God. I believe today that God wants you to see yourself righteous, accepted, approved like you've never been before. God wants you to know that the standing you have with him is one of peace, not one of conflict. God judged all of your sins, all of your mistakes in the body of Jesus so you can stand pure and faultless and clean before him because of the blood of Jesus. Life has tried to make the falls of your life, the challenges, the disappointments to separate you from your identity and say, well, because of this, you're not this. Because of this, you're not this. I think about a story in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 9, and also 2 Samuel chapter 4. It says there was a young man, he was destined to be king. His name was Mephibosheth. 
And his, his name's kind of a tongue twister, kind of like his life. He was the grandson to, to King Saul, the first king of Israel. And while he was taking, his dad and his grandfather were out at a war, his nurse was taking care of him. And when she was taking care of him, she, he slipped out of her arms, he fell on the ground, and he cracked his ankles, and he became lame in his feet. His dad and his grandfather were killed in battle. The raiding armies came back. He was captured and sold to a place called Lodabar. You say, well, that means, that kind of sounds like a weird city. The word low means no, and Debar means silence, no communication. Here's this young man destined for the throne. He's got royalty in his blood. He was an heir to that throne. That was his right and privilege. And because somebody mishandled him and dropped him, his little one part of his body, one part of his body became defective. And as a result, he was separated from his identity and royalty and from his destiny. Maybe because the falls in your life, maybe some you caused, maybe somebody else mishandled you. Maybe somebody uh, touched you in places you didn't want to be touched. Maybe they left you. Maybe they robbed you. Maybe they, maybe they abandoned you. And you find yourself, I'm in a place of silence, no communication. I feel so far removed from where I know I'm supposed to be. I feel so wrong. It's tough to hear here, you tell me that I'm right. I feel so estranged. What was passionate and powerful about the story is David, the king, he hears and he goes, is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness and mercy to? And they go, yeah, there's a grandson. His name's Mephibosheth. He was actually supposed to be the king instead of you. And, and, he, and he's still alive, but here's the reason you don't want him. He's lame in his feet. And David says, where's he at? They said he's in Lodabar. God, he says, go get him, go get him. They fetch him out of Lodabar and they bring him to David. And he says, what would you look upon me? Why would you want anything to do with me? I'm a dead dog. I'm worthless. I'm of no value. And David said, quickly, bring out a robe. Quickly get the big old dinner table ready. I want him to sit at the table as one of my sons. And I want to restore everything he lost in the fall. Can I tell you something? We all entered humanity and we were all spiritually uh, dead, but physically alive. We were all had a fallen nature, but in Jesus, according to this word, he says, he's perfected you forever. And I want to tell you today, you are just not like, man, he just saved you. No, no. You're a child of the most high God. He's put his spirit inside you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You're a royalty. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God loved you so much. In fact, he created you just so he could love you. He was not okay spending eternity apart from you. He didn't want estrangement. He didn't want a relationship through rules and regulations. He paid his, he let his son pay the price and he exhausted the wrath of God on sin. God, God doesn't overlook sin. He punished it in the body of Jesus so you could be an accepted daughter and son today. And God could pull you out of Lodabar, a pastorless, barren area, and restore you to a place of sonship and break the hold of failure conscious. Because every day that that young man came, and ate three meals a day at the king's table. His feet, his lameness was covered at the table. Doesn't it say that the Bible says that God prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies? Because of the blood of Jesus, I believe that the enemies in your life are being broken off you. And you're not gonna view yourself and think about yourself through your falls and through your lame areas and through your weaknesses anymore. But you're gonna see yourself because of the blood 
of Jesus, because of the king, just like David. In fact, you want to know why David actually went after him? Because before that, his uh, uh, Jonathan, his best friend, who was actually the dad of Mephibosheth, before he passed, they made a blood covenant. And he says, I will always honor you and take care of you and do you good because of the blood, regardless of what Mephibosheth did. So he went after him because a covenant was there. I want to challenge you today to come back in, a, in your mind and say, I am a child of God. I am forgiven of my sins. I'm an heir of God. That means everything that God has is now mine. The Bible says he gives you all things freely. I want to change your concept of who you are because I know labels have tried to limit, lie, and leak you where you disqualify yourself for the abundant life that God has for you. Who are you in your own eyes today? Who do you think about when you think about yourself? Are you creative or are you mundane? Are you rich or are you poor? Are you healthy or are you sick? 87% of all medical visits right now are people who think something's wrong with them and there's nothing physical wrong. It's psychosomatic. Changing your mind about the way you see yourself to become like-minded with God will change your experience. Then you gotta change the way you think about what you have. Come on, what you have. You have something. You have, come on, you have time. Jesus in the scriptures talked about, you know, time was very esteeming precious. He wanted to make the most of his time. Ephesians 5 says, don't be vague, thoughtless, foolish. Understand what God's will is and redeem the time. Make the most of it and give yourself to that. I want you to think about what's a habit that I need to adopt every day where I can win the day. If you were to win your time, then that time is the currency of the world, your life, because you only have so much of it and you don't know when it's up. I need you to get into your mind. I'm going to win the day. So many people have goals that lead them and say, hell, at the end of the year, I want to be here. At the end of the year, I want to be here. I like goals. But you become more efficient and effective with time when all of a sudden you say, here's one habit that I need to really be consistent in. Because if you win the day with your habit, you'll win the year, you'll win the month. And I love the idea of win the day. Notice Jesus didn't say, give us our weekly bread, our monthly bread, our yearly bread, our decade bread. He said, give me my daily bread. Manna in the Old Testament, it came on every single day. It was fresh. I believe every day God offers you a new opportunity to take charge of your time and make it work for you. And you're not going to get so sucked into distraction. But where you begin to mentally map out and say, you know what? I need a God habit every single day. I want to feed myself with the word. I want to pray, whether it's Psalm 91 or the Lord's Prayer or Psalm 23 over my life and my family members. I want to get into a God habit. I want to have a health habit. Come on, because you need a strong body for your destiny. I need You need energy for your destiny. I want to give into a reading habit. Come on, where I can renew my mind according to the word. I want to get into a habit where I sow good seeds to somebody every single day and make a difference to where I win the day. But then you've also got your talent. How do you think about your talent? Like most people, most people underestimate what they're capable of and they overestimate what everybody else can do. And they start to despise or diminish. And Paul told Timothy, and he was young and he was insecure and he was struggling with anxiety. He says, I want you to stir up the gift of God. Why is that important? God gave you a gift because your gift and your talent will solve a problem. And let me say this, a talent won't do it by itself. You gotta work it. In fact, if you don't get skilled, your talent will fail you. Let me put that out there for a minute. Proverbs says, when you get skilled and you become more efficient with your talent, it'll bring you before great men. It'll bring you before a greater influence. Many of you want God to take you to the next level. The question is, will I prepare to become more skilled? First Chronicles chapter 12, very 
interesting story. In verse 2, it says that there's these Benjamites, they became mighty men of war. They were experts in archery and in uh, flinging stones. And it was interesting, both of their left hand and right hand. So I started doing some study and I found only 1% of the world is ambidextrous. So in other words, they were good with one. They weren't born ambidextrous, but they became more skilled because they decided that, well, even though I wasn't born with it naturally, that I could nurture something new and become more efficient and I could become more skilled. I, that's where they get the, that's where they became these mighty men of David because they were willing not just to think bigger, but they were going to think about their talent, say, I can invest more. And I know that you know this greatness does not go on sale. Nobody can make sacrifices for you you at some point if you want your skill and your talent to increase in value you're going to have to invest jesus said don't go buried under a bunch of excuses that don't excuse you but take it off the discount rack and this is something sobering because jesus is going to ask me and he's going to ask you what did you do with what i gave you i want you to think let that sink in to say what are you going to do with what did you do with what i gave you i don't want him to have no roi i want to go and invest in it taking a class sharpening and getting around the people in my community at the church at passion life church using it serving it sowing it because you become good at what you practice if you invest a little you get a little but if you invest much the bible says you sow much you reap much there's time talent but now also what about your treasure I want to talk about your treasure for a minute. I want to talk about your finances. What does your financial statement, your monthly bank statement say about you? What does it say? It says what you prioritize and what you value. Come on, if your mind's always about things, you're always trying to grab, you're thinking things are going to improve your self-image, your self-portrait, or whatever. Things are riches. Riches are what you have. Wealth is who you are. I want to challenge you with your treasure and your finances this year to become a partner with God. You say, Rex, don't you understand? Things are so turbulent. we got a new president. He's taking jobs away already in the first week. He's already canceled in two days. Over 120,000 jobs. Aren't you? aren't you concerned? I want to challenge you. Isaac in a time of famine, Genesis 26, God came to him and he was thinking about Balaam. He he was thinking about leaving. I know a lot of people are trying to think about, are they leaving cities, leaving states? And he goes, I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay in the midst of it. And I don't want you to go to Egypt. Now, Egypt is a type of the world system. It's, it actually means the, how, the rules of the house. I don't want you, he was saying, to play by the rules of the house of the world system. I want you to play by the rules of my kingdom. I want you to stay in the city and I will bless you. I want you to prosper right here. And he goes, looking around, he goes, that doesn't seem right. Don't let what you see talk you out of what God said. Let me say that again. Let, don't let what you currently see and feel talk you out of what God said. He's called you to walk by faith. In the kingdom, Jesus talks about in Mark 4 that there's a different law. There's different rules of the house. That it's all by seed time and harvest. That what you sow is what you reap. That when something, a seed, leaves your hand, something from God's hand leaves towards your life. That something that you sow can be multiplied and you determine the quality of your harvest harvest. God does not decide who has treasure and who has wealth. He said, you, whatever you sow is what you reap. If you sow little, you reap little. So Isaac took that. It did not make any sense, did not feel right. I'm sure his wife, Rebecca, was like, Isaac, this doesn't seem like a good idea right now. This isn't in the world. We should be, we should hold on. But if you're to make the most of your life and win mentally, I got to get my mind on top of my money and mind my power on my money so money doesn't control me. Money, the love of it, if I'm 
mind's always on getting, getting, getting it, that that's the root of evil because it's just like what I can spend on. But if I look at that as I am a steward of my treasure, that God wants to bless me. He wants to multiply me. He says he gives me the power to create wealth because it's part of his covenant. It's part of his relationship. Don't be like the older brother and the, the younger, I know the prodigal son. He came home and his father gave him an abundance. He had an abundance mentality, but the older brother who stayed in the house, he had a skinny fat, skinny calf. He thought about the skinny calf and he was all, he was never focused on all the blessings he could have had. Don't think like that of your father. Your father has everything at his disposal and wants to bless you. I believe this year, as you come into an agreement that I'm going to become generous, I'm going to become a giver and not a taker. I'm going to sow an aggressive way. That kind of thinking, that kind of mentality will break you out of poverty in fact, the Bible says God will rebuke the devourer over your life. I love that when I give, I can put that offering, I can put that seed in the ground and say, Father, your word says that you'll multiply this seed. You'll rebuke the devil off my life. You'll rebuke the devil off my family. You'll rebuke the devil. I remember even a family member going through a really tough time uh, uh, back some years ago and they owed a, a lot of money to the IRS, but they came and they said, Father, your word says that you'll rebuke the devourer, that you'll make a way where there is no way, that you take pleasure in my prosperity and you'll multiply the seed that I sow. I remember they came back and there was a 27000 or 26000 dollar debt that was supernaturally eliminated. I say that to you today because I want to challenge you to become aggressive with your giving, aggressive in developing your skills and ability with your mind on it. How do I do this so I'm mentally strong, mentally strong in who I am, mentally strong in what I, what I, what I can do, mentally strong with where I am. What do you mean by where you are? I want you to be so purposeful that you understand your, your, your cause. Your cause is your connection to the world. And I want you to think about this. Uh, and, and this might be really, really helpful to you. Your cause for a minute. Uh, your cause can come down to these two things. What problem am I willing to solve for other people? That will determine your rewards. And the problem you want to solve for other people usually will speak of abilities and genius that God put in you, a difference inside you that now you know, you know what? I'm, an, I'm empowered. I'm skilled to solve this problem. There's rewards and problems. You say, Rex, I got big giants. I got big problems. Let me tell you, the size of your enemy always determines the size of your reward. If you've got a big problem to solve, and that's what people want. They always want big money, big business, but it's amazing. And I coach some great businesses. I coach five or six really, really good ones right now that in the billion dollar range. If you want, you want to do big business, you got to solve big problems. That takes you, you have to change the way you think about it and see problems as necessary and a positive process by which I can solve them. Come on. And finding new ways to sell the problem that I solve. That will help somebody right there. In fact, let me just say this on a business idea and give you an idea right there. And I feel it in my heart, like a word of wisdom. Find like a trend that you could capitalize on right now that are trending in emotionally and in, in trending right now in the world. Find a trend you can capitalize on right now and become not just an operator in your mind of business and life, but an owner. An owner thinks different than an operator. That mentality will work for you in a so much better way. But what's your cause in the world? That's by the problems you want to solve. And also what makes you sad? If you can discover what makes you sad, you will recognize what you are assigned to heal and bring change to. And finally thinking, Man, I want to think in my life in the length of eternity. Man, this is just a drop in the water. 
We're only here for a short amount of time. The Bible likens us to pilgrims passing through. I don't want to get too attached. I want to enjoy my life. I ask the God every day, teach me how to enjoy my life. Teach me how to enjoy my family. Teach me how to enjoy the people in my life. But I've realized something. This life is short. This life is fast. And what we do here will echo in eternity. I don't want to sit here and just wish things were, you know, try to survive till I get to heaven. I want to live in the light of eternity. And in my mind, think, you know what? I want to store up treasure in heaven. I want to be rich in love. I want to be rich in good works. I want to be rich towards the things of God. The things are going to last left and be done and have forever. Because let me tell you something right now. The themes, the deeds of this life are the destiny of the next. The deeds of this life are the destiny of X. Let me ask you for a minute. What, let me ask you, because there's rewards, not just on this planet, but there's rewards in heaven. Are you storing up treasure in heaven? Are you thinking about the seeds you could sow to make a difference? I know Jesus said, I was sick. Did you visit me? Did you heal me? <laughs> I was in prison. Did you write me a letter? I was homeless. Did you cover me? I was naked. I, I, did you did you help me out? I was needing a meal. Did you pay for it? I, I needed encouragement. Did you take the time and make the time? Let me tell you something. The deeds of this life are the destiny of, his, of the next. I want to put you in a mental frame of mind where your mind's governed by the Spirit, where you think like God, you think with God. Come on. And then you think from God. And you think about, God, how can you flow through me? How can you heal through me? How can you change things through me? Not just, God, I, I need you to come and help me, but I want to think from God. Show me ways to bring change. Show me ways to bring creative solutions and make a God impact. Leave a God impression on this planet. I know you don't rise higher than your thoughts. I encourage you to nurture great thoughts and apply your thinking. Apply your mind to wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to ignore and what to ignite. All things are permissible, but not everything benefits you and improves you. I want you to take charge of your mental focus. Your mind needs a focus. You're most potent where you're focused. The word focus is burning center. You're most passionate. I've used this analogy. You take a uh, my little cousin, she had a uh, Sprite can and she said, you see the sun? I go, yeah. She goes, uh, the sun will warm this can, but if I magnify it, it'll set the thing on fire. And she goes, Rex, you can set anything on fire if you focus it. Your mind needs a focus. Who you're going to become, what problem you're going to solve, and what hurt you are going to heal. Get that inside your system. Then uh, what talent, what talent What am I going to get skilled in? Become like the sons of Benjamin. Come on, the Benjamites. And they decide I'm going to become ambidextrous. I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to invest. I'm willing to become more skilled. I'm willing to strengthen and add to my arsenal so I can become more to make a greater difference. And so I can say, Jesus, here's some return on your investment. On the financial side, come on somebody, on your treasure, I'm not going to be stingy. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to play by the house rules of Egypt of the world because I'm not conformed to this world. I'm a citizen of heaven. This president, the things that are going on in the world have no influence what God can do for you. Even in the midst of a family, God has a way that he can supernaturally feed you and make a way for you and multiply what you have. Come on. And finally, you know what? I want to find. I want to live in the light of eternity. I want to live, be very aware that I don't want to get too attached here. I want to store up treasure in heaven. I'm calling you today, Passion Life Church, to regain your mental capacity. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. When you set your mind on the things above, miracles will begin to manifest in your life. And I encourage you this week, don't let just stuff come in from the Instagram and from the Facebook and from all that. Don't let all of that stuff just get inside your system. Guard your heart and your mind and set your mind on the things that are going to bring you the most value and that are going to reward you. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you've never accepted 
accepted Jesus Christ, I want to give you the opportunity today. Maybe you've never known God, or maybe you're far away and you said, I've committed so many sins. No, you haven't. Jesus so loved you, he went to the cross. And he there he nailed on a cross and he shed his innocent blood to cover and cleanse your guilty blood and make you a new person on the inside. Today, if you would like your forgiveness, you'd like to make heaven your home. And today you would like to, you want to be free from sin, free from darkness. I want you to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. I believe you love me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. Come into my life and make me a new creation. Make me new. And say this with me. Say, I renounce the devil and I renounce all of his works. And I declare today that because of the word of God and the blood of Jesus, I am born again and heaven is my home. If you just prayed that, friends, let us know. And we'll get something to you that will really help you in your growth and developing a relationship with Jesus. God only made you so he can love you. I want to challenge everybody right now that as we talked a little bit about treasure, to get your offering in your hand. And you can see the text below and how to send an offering. I want every one of us to get something in our hand. And I want us today to be giver generous, not to the church, but to God, that we come into partnership. And the Bible says, do not withhold good when it's in your power to do so. It's in your power today to act in a powerful way and to become a partner with God. He said, as you give, it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over people. God will, through people, will pour back into your life. He'll come and meet your need where you need it the most. It's a way of trusting God. He asked for 10%. And I know the Bible says, as long as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest, moon, sun, summer and winter and fall and spring. As long as there's a summer and a winter, a sun and a moon today, the seed time and harvest will work. These are the house rules that God wants to use in your life to multiply those seeds. And as you sow into his kingdom, watch as he multiplies back to you, good measure, pressed down and overflowing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go out, have a fantastic week. And for those of you today that are just that have been sick in your body or you're hurting, I just want to pray for you. Lord, let your healing presence flow into their mind, flow into their emotions, flow into their body today. Release healing into people's lungs, people's stomachs. Shrink ulcers today. I pray that, Lord, depression would be broken off people's minds today in the authority of the name of Jesus. And I pray today that, Lord, new hope would spring forth in people and that you would enlarge their territory. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in all my friends' life today. Thank you so much, friends, for the privilege of serving you. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week here at Passion Life Church. You matter. Come on, live up in this down world. Have a great week. Bye-bye.